Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. Hey, Brandon, do you remember when you had no idea what writ of Cerciorari was? I still do don't you? know. Oh, well, we'll tell you later. Do you remember Poli Sci? Wow, what an intro. I, I feel like I relived my whole childhood playing DuckTales video games again for the fifth, sixth, or maybe seventh time, and I always love it every time, You know Brandon. that you were using those Konami cheat codes to get to that moon level, though. I need cheat codes in my life. There's nothing, there's like no no venue where I use cheat codes right now, and I really need them. Like maybe in the car, there could be a cheat code to like have the heating perfectly set when I enter the car, something like that. I don't know. You know what feels like a cheat code? I have some food in our V machine and it feels like a cheat code to literally put food in a bag in a boiling not a boiling in a pot of water and push a button and you'll come back later and it's just cooked like i'm sorry i'm not classy enough to know what a sous vide machine is is that something that did you pick that up at like ikea is that swedish <laughs> we got it as a gift last year it oh. literally means under vacuum and it's when you put oh. food in a bag and it cooks it at a low temperature in a water bath and it connects to your phone and you can like literally like put like vegetables or meat or any like i have some roast in there now and it just comes back perfectly cooked like absolutely the juiciest chicken you've ever had in your life it's crazy so oh that feels like God. a cheat code to so me. it's just basically like roasting in its own juices and there's like nothing to take away the flavor there's no steam to like right. take away those aromas and like the subtle texture of the herbs upon the tongue it, I mean, and honestly for someone like me who is getting better at cooking but like it like oh i overcooked it again it's dry and stringy like nope it's perfectly cooked so that feels like a cheat code to me <laughs> i like how when you're sitting down to eat you're already like oh this is dry and stringy like you haven't taken a bite yet and you're <laughs> like already you thinking it's terrible you're thinking just negatively it. i mean you gotta think positive you gotta think this is juicy and perfect every time oh man it's like that it's like that scene in hook when they're just eating nothing and they're pretending it's all sorts of weird multicolored puddings and stuff oh that makes me sad for robin williams i love robin williams i want to send a shout out no we're gonna oh. enter section one right now brandon i hope I, we haven't primed on this but i'm gonna just hit you with it news you can use <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, right. uh, was, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, this is the section where we just talk about a couple things that are happening. And I think probably the most important is that Congress is about to reach a deal on a $900 million COVID relief bill. Okay, that's nothing. $900 million? What? I thought this had to be $2, 3000000000000 to hit it. I mean, what are they doing? Yeah, I think that's actually the right way to look at this. It's not enough. It wouldn't have been enough months ago. It's not enough now. And I think the question that I thought of was, well, why are they, they had all this time, Democrats passed a bill on the House a long time ago. Why are they doing it now? I think it's because Mitch McConnell is seeing the political calculus of how Republicans not passing anything is hurting Republican Senate candidates in Georgia, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. So I think it's as insidious and as self-serving as, well, we can see that they're hurting in the polls and that's why they're doing anything at all. So, so that that's a great Mitch McConnell impression. And that's not just coming from your brain. <laughs> I, I literally read that he made comments to that effect that right. I, I can't remember the exact verbiage he used, but he said that, it you know, this situation is hurting our candidates i mean he is just like i love how he called himself the grim reaper of the legislature because bills go to him to die he is such a deathly man 
and he is just absolutely <laughs> laser locked on whatever his policy goals are. And I have to say, I mean, that type of uh, of machinations from a political person is pretty impressive. I mean, the dude gets it done. Whether you like him or not, you have to admit he gets it done. Yeah, he gets it done, but how does he sleep at night? Like when his head hits the pillow, how's it? Oh, like, well, I oh. did something good today. It's like yeah, he no. can't. Right. So let me t- let me tell you how he sleeps at night. <laughs> Is that what a turtle sounds like when it sleeps? <laughs> Is he yeah, kind I of get... like floating in the water? <laughs> he goes in his shell. His head his head slowly recedes into its shell, and his like big wide eyes just like blink closed really slowly. <laughs> I wanted to talk. Let's talk about a couple things that are in this bill, because, again, it's not enough, but it would extend unemployment benefits for three months. Uh, give people good. 300 bucks a week uh, that would otherwise expire at the end of this year. It also extends unemployment eligibility for gig workers and contract workers for three months, which, again, would have ended at the end of this year. So that's good. What it's, about a check? Am I going to get a check? Because I need some of that delicious free government money. So there is a check. It's rather small. It's OK. They're talking six hundred dollars per American adult uh, if you make seventy five thousand dollars or less. And then it goes down the more you make over seventy five thousand dollars. So here's here's what I wanted to ask you, though. So that's mm-hmm. a six hundred dollar check one time. Right. And we got mm-hmm. a twelve hundred dollar check one time mm-hmm. many, many months ago. Right. Let's compare this to other countries and other countries in the United Kingdom. People have been getting 80 percent of their salary the entire time. Denmark. Yeah, but they, they don't have freedom, but they, they don't have freedom there. And so freedom isn't free. So you're paying for your freedom. So case closed, oh. right? Well, let's talk about freedom. OK, our friends in the north, Canada, two thousand dollars per month the entire time. Australia, a thousand dollars per month the entire time. South Korea, 70 percent of their wages the whole time. Denmark, 75 percent of their wages the entire time. The Netherlands, 90 percent of their wages the entire time. So, Alex, how is it that America, we're the greatest country, right? We're the wealthiest country. We're the most powerful country. We have all of the freedom and we really take care of our own here in America. How is it that these other countries are getting so much more money on a continuous basis and we only get $600 once? Why do you think that is? Well, the answer is simple. The people who are representing you in our elected government, they don't need the money. They don't understand a lifestyle that that would require support. Um, The upper class in this country has been pretty much uh, insulated from the economic effects of the downturn related to coronavirus. I'll give you a case in point. So if you're able to Zoom from your home and still get paid and do your job, you are already doing better than most people in this country who are really suffering and need those checks and need that extension of unemployment insurance. Do you think Mitch McConnell is worried about getting a $600 check? He doesn't care. I will say that there are even Republican members, you know, like Josh Hawley, who who was trying to increase that payment check up up to the twelve hundred that it was previously. Um, But I mean, as far as economic stimulus goes, I think it's a little narrow to think of this as just I mean, yes, it's people's lives. Absolutely. That's true. And I don't think that our elected leaders are are really too focused or concerned on that. But the other thing you have to think about is that there is no form of stimulus that more directly will impact the economy and more quickly than a check for people who are going to spend that check almost immediately, especially during the holiday time. 
And we had talked about this on a previous episode that, you know, usually unemployment numbers look really good around this time of year. And currently unemployment numbers, I just saw another bad report um, and and things are really, really bad. And it's it's very stunning that things have to be as bad as they are for Congress to even marginally act. It's it's really quite sad. But I think it's it just has to do with the people that are that are representing us. It's not a priority for them and, and they don't understand how people are actually suffering out there. I think they're just insulated from it. Honestly, that's my opinion. I can't for the life of me understand why it's politically expedient to have not been helping people the entire time, because that is what it boils down to. To your point, the reason why it hasn't happened sooner is because one of the major political parties has found it to be not politically in their best interest to do this. And you can leave aside. Oh, wow. It's wild that the calculus would not be about helping people. It would be about political expediency. You can even leave that argument aside. I think it's even more wild that it has not been in their best interest. That means that their own supporters are not knocking their doors down, asking for this when they absolutely should be. And it's terribly disappointing and disconcerting. Well, we live, I mean, honestly, this is, this is, I'm just going to hammer this home every single episode. We live in a disinformation state where your choices for for where you're going to get your information are quite limited in scope. And if you find yourself on in the conservative media only, you're really not being presented with the devastation that's going on right now. I go to Fox News every single day and they hardly mention a whisper, a word about coronavirus or the economic impacts of coronavirus. There are no stories on that. That is not what they're talking about right now. It's I mean, it's. Basically, it's it's misinformation and, and they don't want people to think about it, because if it's not presented to you, you tend to think, man, my life really sucks. Oh, it's probably those Democrats. If only all the Democrats were out of power, you know, my life would be a lot better when really I think, you know, Democrats are the ones in general that are pushing for more of this sort of, you know, base economic support. And the Republicans call it a nanny state, you know, and and they they approach it with ire when a government program comes in um, to try and give people assistance. And I think the reason for that in, in a lot of ways is the people making those laws, the people representing those folks, they don't use these programs. They don't need these programs. And honestly, they don't want to pay for them. I mean, that it's as simple as that. Yikes. Uh, well, we do have some good news, too, uh, related to COVID that we have vaccines that are starting to get rolled out and getting distributed. People are actually getting their vaccines. We had first the, the Pfizer vaccine was approved. It started coming out. Now Moderna, their vaccine, which is a little bit more shelf stable, just to, to put a term on it. It's a little bit easier to transport to different areas of the country. Um, I want to just wait. Let me just tell you one interesting thing, because what you're alluding to is that the Pfizer vaccine, at least when it's in storage, it needs to be kept at negative negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit, which is very cold and quite a bit colder than than most, you know, medical refrigeration that that we have for vaccines currently. I was reading, I actually went to the Pfizer website, just just reading about how they're actually distributing it. Each batch of these vaccines is being sent with a GPS tracker and temperature um, sensor so that they can detect remotely the like the GPS location and the temperature of the batch at any given time. So this 
because this is not just like a blue apron shipment with an ice pack in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's dry ice. They've actually there's been issues. They had to get some uh, certifications because the the amount of dry ice they needed to ship on commercial airlines was so much higher than what is usually allowed. Um, and those waivers have been applied for and granted so they can move this vaccine around. The the issue is if this vaccine thaws, the the technology that goes into the vaccine, there are these lipid nanoparticles, and we can get more into this if, if you want to really get into the weeds, but there's these lipid nanoparticles protecting this mRNA. It's extremely fragile, and if it's not kept under under suitable conditions, the vaccine, will the mRNA will simply break down and the vaccine will have no effect whatsoever. So it is really important that these things be transported correctly. The Moderna vaccine, it still needs to be kept frozen, but it's, it's more of a general, just a general medical freezer, so you don't need, you know, special equipment to keep track of it. But yeah, we have two vaccines approved now, which is fantastic. Interesting. I actually, that makes me think of a question just from a lay person's point of view, because you are a health provider. So I wanted to just ask about how does this particular vaccine work? And I'll give you what my working explanation, this is my understanding of how it works, is that there is a particular protein in the coronavirus itself that basically allows it to kind of get into your system and start wreaking havoc, that the protein is what the vaccine is alerting your body to its presence. So this is not a vaccine where it's like, oh, it's like a dead coronavirus that could wake up and kill you. It's literally just introducing this particular protein, which is a part of the coronavirus, and your body goes, oh, look at that protein. Let's develop antibodies. And nothing really happens because there's nothing behind the protein to do anything. But then if you're exposed to the coronavirus, your body's like, what is this fucker doing here? And it, you know, it has a, it has an immune response. Is that an accurate representation of how this vaccine works uh, that's that's a pretty good i think lay lay representation of it and and i think the big the big Dummies difference like me no, it's no, I think that's really that's a, it's a little more complicated and I, you know, like to nerd out on it. So I'll just take it a tiny bit deeper. But, you know, within your body, you have this incredible system, your immune system that is primed, like you said, to recognize foreign proteins and and foreign particles and create antibodies to them so that if that same particle or intruder is is visited again upon your body, you have a, a response ready to go. You have antibodies that will bind to that foreign substance and that will alert your immune cells to go and and eat those particles phagocytize them and destroy them essentially now a classic vaccine generally is either a weakened we'll just take a viral example either a weakened form of the virus that can't really make you sick because it's it's not the wild type of the virus it's more of a weakened version that really can't um, take over and cause illness or it's it's a, a particularly bred type of virus. Um, there's live vaccines and there's vaccines that are not live. There can be, you know, basically dead particles, chopped up, blended pieces of viral material that your body will then recognize. So that's directly introducing like a foreign substance into your body and then your body sees it. Usually there's something inside the vaccine called an adjuvant that causes an immune response. It's basically an irritant that makes your body think, oh, there's something weird going on here. There's something different. Um, and that's a, that's generally how vaccines have worked for a long time. Now, these vaccines, both Pfizer and Moderna, they're very different from vaccines that we've had in the past. They're something called an mRNA vaccine. So, you know, RNA is basically it's it's like DNA, but simpler. And what it does is it 
carries instructions into your cells and allows your cells to make foreign proteins. So the foreign protein you were talking about, in this case, the mRNA is encapsulated in a lipid nanoparticle. And I heard one immunologist talking about this almost as if it's the um, thin candy coating on an M&M, right? You've got that thin candy coating to keep it so the chocolate isn't all sticky and melting in your hand when you're eating the M&Ms. Think of that when you think of the mRNA uh, surrounding this little piece of mRNA. What happens when you're injected with these vaccines is the lipid nanoparticle basically sticks to a cell in your body. Because it's a fat, it basically gets absorbed into the cell. And then the mRNA can go inside your cell. It doesn't go to the nucleus. It's not you know, manipulating your genome. This isn't genetic modification of any type. It's just introduction of mRNA, which goes into a structure in your cell called a ribosome. And the ribosome's job is basically to take copies of, of, of RNA and spit out proteins. So it goes through the ribosome and what the ribosome is actually making is the spike protein from coronavirus. So when the coronavirus attaches to a cell, it's, and you've seen pictures of it, it's got that halo, that spike on it. Those are called the spike proteins and they're very specific to coronavirus. So if you can train your body, when you see this, you need to throw antibodies and you need to destroy it, then, you know, the virus won't be able to make you sick. Your body will be able to neutralize it if it if it's introduced to the system. So that's actually what what is happening here is that the mRNA is traveling to the ribosome in the cell. The ribosome is spitting out these spike proteins and then those are leaving the cell and floating around your body. And then your body's having an immune response to those spike proteins so that when you actually are exposed to coronavirus, you already have an immune response and your body is able to neutralize that virus without uh, having, you know, with having been exposed to it already. Does that kind of make sense? Take it a little deeper for you. Okay, listeners, you will be quizzed on this after the show. Um, <laughs> I really yeah, enjoyed that. I, I hope no, that no, wasn't it, too into the weeds. <laughs> no, that's fast. And it's, I think that I, I appreciate you laying it out that way for me because it helps me to better understand and hopefully helps other people better understand too that if you have some side effects from this vaccine, which can happen with some vaccines, it's not because they're injecting you with COVID and you're going to get COVID. That's not what's happening. Um, and I just, I I really, really appreciate that explanation. So yeah, no, not not too far at all. Let, let me let me just, I want to put one, two more things in there actually because this is actually from Anthony Fauci who I think, you know, he's sort of a master He's been doing this a long time and Dr. he was addressing Fauci, who just announced that he that Santa can come to your house this year because he went to the North Pole and personally vaccinated Santa. So I appreciate that Dr. <laughs> Fauci actually did say that. And I very much appreciate it. I love him. And I also love that he's going to be joining the Biden administration. I'm super, super stoked on that. So one one thing that that, you know, people I've I've heard people say at work and around, you know, well, this is such a new, you know, new technology. I don't know if it's safe. Well, just just to let everybody know, you know, this technology has actually been around for 30 years. There was an awesome article on CNN about the woman who who sort of pioneered this technology, figured it out. And, and in the 1970s, her career didn't really go anywhere. She was demoted. She was told that this is insane. This is never going to happen. And now here we are. It's 2020. And this technology is going to basically end the coronavirus pandemic. So that's pretty amazing. Um, 
as far as this being a new technology, you know, there have been mRNA vaccines in use since 2011. They've been, you know, experimenting with these as anti-cancer vaccines. They're actually quite safe. Um, and it, you're actually being exposed to a lot less foreign material than you would with a traditional vaccine because you're just getting mRNA for a very specific spike protein. So, I mean, these vaccines, like any vaccine, you know, people could have an isolated allergic response. But this technology appears incredibly safe. And for what it's worth, I'm getting a vaccine on Tuesday and I have zero hesitations about it. Nice. Oh, I'm glad that you are. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I definitely because I mean, I work with with people who are sick and I've I've laid hands on, you know, many coronavirus patients at this point, always totally geared up and I felt safe doing so. But I'll, I'll feel even safer knowing that I have some neutralizing antibodies floating around in my serum. Yeah, Cassie does not yet know when she will be getting the vaccine. Their OHSU is she's a resident doctor. OHSU is uh, determining it based on your rotation and your potential risk level. So she's uh, hasn't gotten it yet. But let me ask you about who gets this vaccine because we have seen Republican lawmakers who were. Some of the people saying, well, don't worry about masks or social distancing. And these are the very same people who are first in line to get this vaccine. I have an opinion about this, but I wanted to ask you, how is it that you feel about our federal lawmakers who maybe have been pretty lax about keeping people and others protected from COVID being the first in line to actually get the vaccine? Uh, I mean, it's just obviously a level of hypocrisy, especially if you remember in the beginning of the pandemic, there were literal lawmakers saying, well, you know, if I had to die for the economy, it might be worth it. And then, you know, they they go and, and turn code as fast as they can to get the vaccine. I mean, the people who need the vaccine first are frontline healthcare workers who are being exposed to this every day and people in in residential living facilities where the, pan, you know, elderly folks where the pandemic was especially bad as far as, you know, the the number of people actually killed by the disease. Those are the people who need it first. And then, you know, after that, I think we need to we need to vaccinate people who are at risk and basically stratify as far as risk goes. Um, you know, I, some people are just shameless. I, I, I cannot as a medical provider, as a human being, I don't understand what any politician got out of in particular, dissuading people from wearing a mask this whole time. It just it, it blows my mind. I understand if you don't want to pay money, you don't want to provide stimulus. But what do you get as a politician out of minimizing this pandemic and talk and telling people not to wear a mask? The only thing I can think of is that it was their way of justifying not taking action against it. Right. It's they could just act like it's not a problem. It's not it's not present. So we don't need to address it. But the, the whole response to this has been insane, in my opinion. Let me. I'll just ask an up or down question. Do you think that lawmakers who have not been taking this seriously should be able to be at the front of the line to get the vaccine? Yes or no? Uh, I, I mean, it's more I, it's a very leading question the way you ask it. I of think they it should is. Be, <laughs> That's I why think, I ask it that way. <laughs> I think they honestly, I, if I'm being totally fair, they should be stratified the same way every other lawmaker is. Right. We should decide who is at risk and and we should stratify based on risk and the, and people should get the vaccine in that order. I've also heard um, reports that people are trying to get this vaccine through back channels by paying up to twenty five thousand dollars for two doses for a vaccine that's going to retail for twenty dollars once it's fully available. And I think that is also just 
absolutely repugnant. I think that's awful that anyone would would do that rather than, you know, take there are ways you can avoid getting this disease. It's really not that complicated, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not that hard. You know what you need to do. You need to reduce your level of social activity. You need to wear a mask. You need to be respectful. I mean, it's not that hard. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't if I were king of the world, I wouldn't stratify based on whether or not, you know, you took it seriously or not. Though, if I was stratifying that way, Chris Christie gets the vaccine first if he wants it, even though he's been <laughs> infected because he has really changed his tune. <laughs> he has. Uh, you know, I so I fall on. Yes, it's annoying that people who didn't take it seriously are, are getting first in line if they're a lawmaker. But I also believe in the continuity of our government. And I think that that is important. And I also think that there's something to be said for Republicans like Mike Pence, like Mitch McConnell, having their picture taken of them getting the vaccine. I think that that helps. But mostly, yes, I believe that people in government ought to be among the first in line. Because again, you need a government in order for your country to function. So I, I don't know why I, this is really base and stupid. And I, I hesitate to even mention it. But Mike Pence is just he just makes me laugh. He's so awkward and weird. Like no matter what he does, he looks so bizarre. And I'm really glad that he got the vaccine publicly. But like he had this short sleeve shirt on and this weird grin and he just looks so weird. I just don't I don't know what's going through that guy's head all the time. It's, I he, don't, does, I, he does have a weird <laughs> like look to him like he's always kind of looking over to the side like it's a I don't know, like he's like he's humoring a little child telling him a bad joke that's the face that he's always making and yeah, yeah it's, it's it's almost like he's pure evil <laughs> i don't know it possibly could be um, i mean he might be pure evil i'm not sure it's funny that you mentioned pure evil because speaking of president trump has, oh god brandon i thought we weren't going to talk about him anymore oh by I the know. way I, I have a new term for him and you need to just please follow me on this outgoing president trump that's his name from now on on this show i like it okay yep yeah i'm, I'm down actually similarly i i think we ought to reconsider whether we give the honorarium president to those that have been president and are no longer i think now is the time to revisit that so outgoing president mm. trump there's been a report that he was having meetings with people in the oval office that included uh, disgraced former general Mike Flynn that included uh, Sydney. What's her last name? The Powell, Sydney, Sydney Powell, Powell the Kraken lawyer that he is considering. Release the Kraken! <laughs> He's that, that outgoing president Trump is considering calling upon the military to basically declare martial law and have a revote of the election in these swing states in which he lost. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about this, Alex? I mean, this is pretty solid reporting coming from the New York Ooh. Times, and you know that there are people in his administration who are leaking stuff to the press. That's the way it has always worked. Um, so I, I take this at face value. So how unsettled does this report make you feel? I mean, so initially, OK, if you ask me this at 1230 at night and I'm doom scrolling on the Internet, I feel like chills when I hear this and like I, I sweat a little bit and my hands start to shake. But if you ask me during the light of day, this is what the f OK, I hardly ever cuss on this <laughs> show. But what the fuck are they talking about? What the seriously, dude, uh, the military already responded to any thoughts that they would get involved in the election in any way. Um, remember that the military is somewhat isolated from the executive branch. 
though Trump is the commander in chief, there are top brass within the military that he can't just remove at a whim. And they've already said we have no role to play. I mean, these people uh, did we already talk about this already? You know, this bunker mentality. I don't know if we talked about it, but, you know, bunker mentality. It's another allusion to Hitler. And I'm sorry, but like Hitler's in the bunker. The war is over and he's screaming at his generals trying to figure out some way that they're still going to win and like still hopeful that there's some way they're going to hold on. This election was over on November 4th. I mean, it's it's been over for a long time. The Electoral College has met. Mitch McConnell has even brought his head out of the turtle shell. And I'd like to congratulate Joe Biden on his win. You know, it's it's completely over. Trump is is still trying to sow as much doubt as he can and fear and chaos in the hopes that somehow when the votes are to be certified by Congress on January 6th, some crazy ass thing is going to happen. But here's the thing that would be so unprecedented. Yes, the you know, we have had Congress. Congress uh, dispute the Electoral College before, but that's when the Electoral College had a tie. The Electoral College did not have a tie. The results in all of these states have been certified. And part of me feels like the reason Trump keeps putting shit like this out there is to turn our heads away from the fact that 3000 Americans are dying every day. And Donald Trump is he has not mentioned one word about the most incredible hack. Are we going to talk about this hack, this solar winds hack that just happened? Donald Trump hasn't said a single thing other than, well, it might be China when even Mike Pompeo, secretary of state in Trump's pocket, Mike Pompeo said that it was definitely Russia. Everyone knows it was Russia. It was 100% Russia. What the hell is Trump doing? I mean, I just feel like he's running a disinformation campaign. I'm not sure to what end, but I don't even know if he believes some of the crazy shit that they're throwing out, really. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's as clear as the waters of Lake Waramog that this election has been over for a long time. <laughs> and Trump has now denied the reports that he's considering martial law. Okay, fine. The fact that he denied it it means that he supplied it, right? He who supplied, who he he who denied it supplied it. Like it's the same rule as if you're cracking a fart. This dude cracked open a fart of martial law discussion in his office, and it was reported. Now he's embarrassed about it. And yeah, I I'm with you that we should be somewhat unsettled, but also this is not going to happen. Fortunately, like I feel more and more confident that, especially with top Republicans saying that the election is over, that. Trump can continue fundraising and his supporters. I mean, the damage has really already been done permanently. There are going to be people, millions of people who believe this election was stolen from their Lord and Savior, outgoing President Trump. They're going to believe that no matter what. And we've already crossed that bridge. So, yeah, I I'm feeling not as weird about it. Um, well, that's that's really the political calculus for them is Trump is trying to figure out because usually, you know, when a first term president loses an election or for his reelection bid, his or her reelection bid, they go away. I mean, like they're gone, yeah. right? Like they're they're relegated to nothing. And Trump knows that he's hoping to either run in 2024. I doubt that's going to happen. You, I mean, this dude is old, but his kids, you know, he he has this idea that they're going to be the next Kennedys. I mean, Ivanka and he's got Don Jr. I mean, I mean, there's so many to pick from. I mean, Tiffany could be incredible. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> she went to law school. It's just, do you remember the time Trump made this this comment that he thought Ivanka would be wonderful on the Supreme Court? I mean, who even thinks like that? Like, if your daughter hasn't been to law school and you're the president of the United States to make a comment like that? 
and the the man is he's deranged. I mean, he's truly deranged. It's crazy to me. Um, but I think it's just about keeping the Retrumplicans in line, right? He's he's hoping to turn this into some sort of business empire. This is this is the next apprentice for him, right? He's been POTUS. He wants to capitalize on it. He is a man who his entire life, like you said last episode, you know, slithering from grift to grift. That's what he's going to do. He's going to try to figure out a way to keep making money. And right now it's still working, which for me is really sad. <laughs> it is sad. Uh, we had a couple more bullet points in the news you can use. I want to bring people behind the curtain and apologize in public to you, Alex. You had done a lot of work to get this write-up done before last week, and then I canceled because I'm a terrible human being and was bad at scheduling. So I don't know how many of these other bullet points you wanted to get to or how many you didn't oh let me i'll just okay let's just quickly say i you know i love chris krebs and i have a little heart emoji there because i really do love him he's a great guy i mean it, he basically shot his own career up to tell the truth so you have to respect that and who was he again just for everyone's edification so remember I a whole episode with sissa the cyber command he was trump's appointed head of the cyber command he came out and he said this was the most secure election in history from like a cyber security standpoint and then trump fired him immediately um because trump of says course. that the election was stolen from him well he is suing trump's campaign he is suing Finally. trump's campaign lawyer he is suing this crappy wannabe news show new, uh, tv station newsmax and he's suing them because trump's lawyer made some really crazy comments about how chris krebs should be essentially killed <laughs> for suggesting that the election wasn't rigged and he made those comments publicly on newsmax and it turns out that that's very damaging to a person's reputation and it's quite scary to receive death threats from all over the country so chris krebs is 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 suing i think we're going to be seeing a lot more lawsuits i think this these trump shenanigans i mean they're going to have their day in court they they brought the initial the initial energy they went on offense but they're going to be playing a whole lot of defense over the next couple of years i think yeah i've seen a, a couple of suits too um asking for Sidney powell to be disbarred for the frivolous lawsuits that she's been fantastic yeah and i think yep. that's I, that's exactly what ought to be happening because on the one hand yes you want a legal system where people feel as though they can file lawsuits without any fear of repercussion i think that is important but when you're at the point that you have 10 20 30 40 50 60 suits and zero of them have merit I think there ought to be a consequence for that because that is not what our that's not what our system is supposed to support. So I'm happy to see it. And I want to just say these lawyers are not good lawyers. They're not. They're, they're not really the best not, of the yeah. best. They really suck at what they do. There's their their briefs, their depositions, their paperwork are riddled with inaccuracies and typos. This is the most hilarious one ever. I don't have it in the notes, but I, I was just reading it. Well, like I hope two it's nights the one ago. I'm thinking of. It is. So L. L. Lynn Wood or whatever, one of yes. Trump's lawyers who, who recently filed another stupid election related lawsuit full of bullshit in Georgia. He wrote that he applied under it's a supposed to say under penalty of perjury i submit this paperwork he wrote under plenty of perjury <laughs> plenty of perjury that Dude, is the one i was thinking of it's oh, so man. i mean these people are just they're i don't know what they're playing at other than trying to get in that 300 million dollars that trump has been raising right because these lawyers want to get paid you Wait, know there's money somewhere do you know what the weirdest part about that specific thing is that that is boilerplate language that you use in anything right. that you submit so like he didn't copy paste it he was typing it indirectly like it's just so 
odd. It's so uh, absolutely. It's like, okay, uh, when I submit this podcast to go onto Google Play and iTunes and Stitcher, there is some language I use at the bottom every time to tell people to go to rememberpolysci.com. I'm not manually typing that in every time. I'm control C, control Ving that directly. So why wouldn't that? It's just, yeah, there's here's, so many Here's questions. the image in my mind. Here's the Im- So Ellen Wood in his estate in Georgia somewhere. He's on like his third or fourth highball. He's working on whatever, you know, computer program they write up these legal things in and hit send. And he's just like, time to own the libs. And he's just sloshed out of his mind. <laughs> and he hits return and it sends and he just doesn't notice i mean i just it's so dumb it is so dumb <laughs> it is it is very dumb uh you had a couple other bullet points too and i'll leave it yeah to you. i don't know i just I, I feel like i know news you can use is it's like almost halfway through the podcast and we're still in the initial section but no this is good though i the, mean i, I think that's the hunt we have to talk about the Hunter Biden story, and we, the reason we have to talk about it, about it is there are some pretty interesting angles on it. Have you been following it at all, or are you just like totally in the dark with it right now? Yeah, I am a little bit. In fact, I uh, yeah, let's see what you say. I might have something to add to it. Okay, so it turns out after Joe Biden won the election that, um, you know, some uh, is it the state of New Jersey that's investigating his tax record? I can't. Oh, it's Delaware, right? Because that's where he lives. So the state of Delaware announces that, yes, we are, in fact, investigating Hunter Biden. And of course, the the uh, Republicans and Trump and anyone who doesn't like Joe Biden, they're all seizing on this and saying, you know, this is proof. This is proof that the news media, you know, totally buried this story. And it's completely uh, it shows how the news is fake and, and we're always the victims here. But here's the thing the the allegations they were presenting and Hunter Biden being investigated, it's two separate things. And I think this is what Americans need to learn as far as disinformation, right? Because Hunter Biden did one thing bad does not mean that Hunter Biden did all things bad, right? Like because Hunter (laughs) Biden's being investigated for tax something or another does not mean that he was in China accepting money for Joe Biden, which is what the Republicans were saying. And that was essentially the story that, you know, they were attempting to have published back uh, before Trump lost the election handily. So there are some some weird things about it, though. I mean, how do you feel about the Hunter Biden story? Do you feel like it's it's important for us to follow it? Do you feel like it's going to affect Joe Biden? Um, I, as of yet, have not seen any direct link between anything Hunter Biden has done and Joe Biden other than Joe Biden is his dad. And they have some texts where he's like, hey, are you OK, son? Like, I know you're using drugs. Like, are you OK? And that's basically it. So how terrible I mean, of him to be checking in on his child who has an addiction problem. What a terrible human being. I yeah. know. And, the, and you'll you'll read in the conservative media like, oh, there was this email where Hunter Biden was saying that Joe Biden might visit him in China. Well, yeah, it's his dad. It, you know, he might have his dad visit. That doesn't mean that he's doing anything with business in at all, you know, especially not something shady. So I don't mean to come to Joe Biden's defense, you know, sort of as a knee jerk response. But I just don't see a link between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden as far as any illicit behavior goes. It's sort of like believing in mermaids and looking at a map and pointing at the ocean and be like, look, there's an ocean. That means there's a mermaid in it. Like that's literally what it feels like to me. Right. Oh my God. I love that. That's That's exactly what it is. And here's another thing about this too. um, And we do have a, a little section on Joe Biden and this dips into it where, you know, Joe Biden, I think appropriately has said he will not be discussing an investigation of his son with any attorney general candidates. So he's not going to be talking about that when he's evaluating who ought to be attorney general, which, 
shouldn't be a thing that you have to say. It should be that, yes, you're going to pick your cabinet, your important staff members, your attorney generals based on their qualifications and their experience and not based on whether they're going to promise you not to investigate your family, which, again, shouldn't be a thing that you have to say. But given what we've seen over the last four years with the Trump family, I guess is something that you do have to say. Well, Joe Biden also, he made a comment that, you know, the Justice Department, it's not my Justice Department, it's the People's Justice Department. And that's exactly what I want a president to say, right? I mean, I think Trump uniquely, I mean, even beyond Nixon, was willing to use the machinery of the government for his personal ends and will continue to want to do that, right? I mean, he literally thinks that it belongs to him, like the companies that he runs belong to him, like his TV show belonged to him. That's how he views the government. Right. Absolutely. He's he's not he's not a complex man, Donald Trump. He's really he's not. not. He's, he's pretty he's very he's really easy to understand. He's transactional. Um, he's he's in your face. He's brutal. He's sort of, you know, in some ways truthful to a fault, which is kind of good for us because we know what he's thinking. Um, oh, no, but he was joking, Alex. It was sarcasm, you know, unless it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he by can, the he way, can always just squirrel away. He's he's like an oiled up wrestler, dude. He can just like he can just like <laughs> squeeze out of any hole, dude. He is so slippery. It's actually it's not a bad segue to talk about the attorney general and Biden and Trump Um, with the Biden administration announcing many of their cabinet positions and their secretary positions. Do you think that Joe Biden ought to make a comment on whether or not his pick for attorney general should investigate Donald Trump and his family and his administration for their various crimes? Do you think that that ought to be something that Biden no, talks about. No, no, I Here's how I think we play this. Honestly, if, if I'm in the room with the Democrats right now, here's how we play this. We do not publicize that. That is Tinder for the other side to just blow up in your face. Just let's just see how this how this plays out. There's plenty of ongoing investigations of Trump right now, and there's plenty we're going to learn once Joe Biden is in office. Sort of like how Joe Biden was really hesitant to say, you know, when Trump was trying to hammer him down on, are you going to pack the courts, Joe? What are you going to do, Joe? Are you going to pack the courts? And, you know, (laughs) Joe Biden was just like, Uh, We'll see. You know, I think it's just basically we'll see. And honestly, I think Joe Biden shouldn't even talk about Donald Trump. If his attorney general chooses to pursue that later, I think he can let his attorney general do that, whatever. But I don't think Joe Biden should spend a second of anyone's day ever talking about Donald Trump once he's president. I think he should focus on the job of being president and he should let the Justice Department do what they need to do. That's how I feel about it. There's, you know, micromanaging the government brings us, you know, what where we are today. This is what micromanagement of the government looks like. We have the worst people, people who basically swear fealty to Trump. That's their only only the only thing you need to get a job in the Trump campaign and the Trump government right now is you need to say, yes, Trump is amazing. You don't have to be good at what you do. Right. (laughs) So. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. No, I 100%. so yeah, I, I think I think Joe Biden should just just stay out of it. Be the people's president. How can you be the people's president if you're talking about investigations of someone that 70 mil, 71 million people voted for or 74 million? You know, that's a lot of people. So Joe Biden, he's not he's not naive to this. He understands he needs to be extremely careful how he approaches this. I 100% agree with you. And actually Joe Biden himself 
like you like you said, I want to read a quote from him that sums up his feelings. And you already mentioned part of it. Um, but Biden said, quote, I'm not going to be telling them what they have to do and don't have to do. I'm not going to be saying go prosecute A, B, C. I'm not going to be telling them that's not my role. It's not my Justice Department. It's the People's Justice Department, which, yes, again, and, and that's the, what you just said. And, and yeah, I totally agree with both you and, and the. And the other reason that is the absolute correct tactic is if they do decide to go after Trump and his family, Joe Biden has some insulation there to say, hey, it's not me. We have a system of checks and balances. We are a society of laws. And this is what the Department of Justice has decided to do. This has nothing to do with me. And I'm not going to answer questions about it. And that is exactly where Joe Biden wants to be. You do not. I mean, I think we finally learned after four years, you really don't want to go head to head with Trump. You really can't win. The dude is just he's too good at arguing arguing and he's too good at, like I said, being slippery. And you look at how Joe Biden handled him in the debates. He really didn't talk to him. Right. There, there was a little bit of policy debate in the second debate. But for the most part, Joe Biden is laying out his vision for America and the way he wants things done. Honestly, we need to stop wasting breath on Donald Trump. He is a soap opera. He's just a continual drama. That's all he is. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, I also wanted to talk more about Joe Biden's picks for some some other important positions. Let's start with I, I have two of them. So let's start with one and end with the other because there's two. Uh, Joe Biden appointed Pete Buttigieg to the Secretary of Transportation position. This is a position that oversees fifty five thousand people. And damn it, I had the same talking points. All right, keep going. Really? Good job. Okay. Yeah. Well. Good job. Good job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it oversees fifty five thousand people. Has a seventy five billion dollar budget. Pete yeah. Buttigieg, as mayor, oversaw one thousand people and a budget of eighty six million. So, Pete Buttigieg's experience with something like this is approximately one one thousandth of the job that he is being nominated for. Right. I also I, I can't let it be lost to history that during the Democratic primary, there was a moment where Joe Biden was surging and a couple of the nominees, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, reportedly got a call from former President Barack Obama and they were told, hey, you should drop out of the race and endorse Joe Biden right now. Uh because you'll, you're never going to have more political capital with your endorsement than you do now, because ostensibly the Democratic mm. Party did not want Bernie Sanders to win the nomination. He was leading at the time. Alex, do you think that this appointment is politically motivated? And do you think that Pete Buttigieg is qualified for this job? Oh, man, I love where you went with that. Excellent work. Um so a couple quick things about the Buttigieg thing. So after he did endorse Joe Biden, he actually went to town. He went to work for the Democrats. Did you see Pete Buttigieg on Fox News over the last couple months just like ripping into them? You know, Pete Buttigieg has become an amazing spokesman for the Democratic Party. Um, do I think he's qualified? Sure. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. No, he isn't. Sure. No, he's not. Why not? He's not. Secretary who oh who cares secretary of transportation he'll learn it's Wait a fine minute. so let me let me <laughs> let me give you a comparison alex so i have had experience uh I, I've overseen eight full-time staff i've managed a budget of two million dollars okay so does that mean do you would you be comfortable with me overseeing a staff of ten thousand people and a budget of two billion dollars because i'll tell you as much as i have confidence in myself i would not be comfortable 
taking on a role where my responsibilities didn't double, they didn't triple, they didn't quadruple, they didn't go up by 10, they didn't go up by an order of magnitude, they went up by a thousand fold. I don't think that he's qualified. I think this is a politically motivated appointment. I'm disappointed in it, I have to say, and I don't think that it's appropriate. This is the kind of political backscratching that people don't want to see anymore. The people who are attracted to somebody like Donald Trump, when he talks about the swamp, this is literally an encapsulation of the swamp. I don't care if Joe Biden is a Democratic nominee, and I do support him. I voted for him. I donated to him. I still think it's gross. So that's uh, that's well, my feeling. That no, I, I really like it. You again, you're coming at this from from the very progressive side of things. It sounds like you're maybe a little disappointed that Bernie Sanders, you know, wasn't appointed as uh, head of Department of Labor. No, as I'm, I, I'm OK. We could talk about that. I'm OK. That's not why. That's not but why. but I just want to say so my experience of hearing that was like, yeah, good for you, Pete. You know, I, I feel like Pete, Pete Buttigieg, he, he he never he never was up there saying that he had this incredible amount of experience. He was saying that I represent something new. I'm young. You know, I represent maybe the new face of the Democratic Party. And for me personally, I, I always thought Pete Buttigieg was was incredibly well-spoken. And I was excited to hear that he got this appointment. This, the, you Being know, well-spoken doesn't make you qualified to oversee 55,000 people in a $75 billion budget. I'm sorry it doesn't. Well, but we're, I mean, so, you know, who the, who's the secretary of transportation right now? Do you know? Pop quiz, you know hot what? shot. Here's the, I don't, I don't even know, but here's the thing. No, 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 no. I will tell you, it is Elaine Chow who is married to Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Politics is like a dirty game, right? Yes. She's Did had people... a previous cabinet position though, for as much as you might like her or not like her. She's had. I know, but before she had that cabinet position, what, where was she? I mean, you got to start okay, somewhere. So leaving that aside, here's the thing. A lot of people, what you just said, well, what about they, they went to what about it? I don't think that we should be what abouting people's qualifications. I don't care if Do we should not be comparing Joe Biden's appointments to Donald Trump's, right? We shouldn't be doing that. We should be holding Joe Biden to a different, better, higher, more moral standard. And again, for me, I don't think he's qualified. His experience as mayor of a small town does not make him qualified for this position. It doesn't mean that he's going to fail. But Brandon, it doesn't what about mean he's the... What about the experience that he's been getting just, you know, he ran for president, right? And he's been working with the Democratic Party. So he's throughout. overseeing his own campaign. That that doesn't make, again, it doesn't, it's two completely different things. But that's government experience to a degree. I mean, he's no, hobnobbing not, with man. higher ups. He's hobnobbing me, with the higher ups. He's hobnobbing with the higher ups and he's a great spokesperson for the Democratic Party. And maybe he was qualified for some role in this administration, but not this one. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, Alex. Let me tell you, as a public servant, <laughs> I've seen, I've been, you know, I've volunteered with campaigns. I've been an admin assistant. I've been a supervisor. I've done a couple different things during my time in public service. Different jobs have different demands and different qualifications. And particularly for a job like this, where you're not 55,000 people's direct supervisor, that's not what his role is. But you need to have an intricate understanding of our nation's transportation systems, how they connect, how different ways of developing different forms of transportation will affect our growth 30 years from now. You need to know the people who know the people who know the people who know how to do that analysis and planning work. That is not Pete Buttigieg's experience. He's not qualified for this position, point blank, period. Oh, OK, I'll I'll take you I'll 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 take your point that he's not uh, traditionally Alex, I'm qualified. Need you to just agree with me. Not and, traditionally you know. qualified. But but <laughs> what do you say to those of us out there who I mean, 
the thing is, Pete Buttigieg is kind of a rock star in the Democratic Party, and many millions of people are super stoked to see him nominated to that position. And the dude is smart. He'll figure it out. There's lots of people there already. He can talk with the folks that are already there. He can learn. I'm down with it. Uh, personally, I was happy to hear about it. And I'm glad, you know, power to Mayor Pete. And next time he runs for something, he can say, and I've been uh, secretary of transportation for the last four years. So that's great. Good job, Mayor Pete. All right. Well, let's talk about a different appointment. And this is something <laughs> I like. I like you're just like, all right. Well, you know, at some point, <laughs> at some I know, point, I just I can't get you to agree with me. And that's OK. No, I'm not agree. I love Mayor Pete. OK, so. Uh, OK, 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 OK. Joe Biden has also appointed uh, Congresswoman Deb Haland, I think is how you pronounce her name. Holland. For, it, Holland. I think it's Holland. Yeah, Holland. Uh, that's as, how I've heard it said. Well, and as Secretary of the Interior, and Alex, you lived in New Mexico for a while. Was she your congresswoman when when you lived there? Yep, I voted for her, and she's fantastic. Um, I think there's there's actually a lot of prominent New Mexico New Mexican politicians that were being considered for various positions, and I'm glad to see that New Mexico is a very diverse state. Um, and I think you know Joe Biden is trying to make his cabinet as diverse as possible, and and I was really happy to hear that. I think you know getting some folks at the grassroots level who I, I think you'd be happy with her qualifications and experience, would you not? Well, 100 percent. And here's the difference between her and Pete Buttigieg. And by the way, I, I do want to give props. I think that Pete Buttigieg is the first openly gay cabinet level position member to be nominated. And that's historic. And I think that that's really, really cool. Similar, yeah, I didn't I didn't bring that up because it's not a qualification for a job. But it's yes, not, that's true. But when you're talking about are is America being equitably represented in the president's cabinet? That is actually really, really important. And I do want to celebrate that and, and take a moment to say that's a good thing. And good also, um, you know, Congresswoman Holland, she will be the first Native American to hold the position of a cabinet secretary in the history of the country. Again, she is a congresswoman. That is legitimate experience. And yes, like I do appreciate that she was on the front lines. She was joining the protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Her appointment it's, is a yeah. big deal. It's wonderful. And it, and it's beautiful to see, you know, a, a person of native descent um, as secretary of the interior, which is the branch of government that oversees public lands. I just think there's something sort of yes. poetic and beautiful about that. And when I when I heard about it. I, I got really happy, not only because I, I still have a lot of love for New, New Mexico, but also because I could see how historic that was. Well, so I think point, that was a good pick, a I, really good pick. I do, too. And to that point, I want to read this quick uh, quote. I think it was from a New York Times article. Um, With few exceptions, the majority of previous Interior Department heads were notoriously unscrupulous and wildly greedy. I love that term, wildly greedy. Ouch. Many of them treated the (laughs) office as a cash cow withholding billions of dollars from millions of indigenous peoples, which adds insult to injury given that 1.5 billion acres of land were wrongfully stolen from this land's first peoples. So for that, it's also, yes, extremely important powerful and good that Congresswoman Holland is being appointed for this position. And one more thing, we're going to compare Trump's appointments to Biden's. President Trump's former Interior Secretary Ryan Zink, he <laughs> he mm. wanted to shrink the Bears Ears National Monument in Utah by 85%. Why do you suppose he wanted to shrink the size of that national monument, Alex, by 85%? Oh, let's see. What do they have there? Oil, gas? What are they going to what are they going to go digging for? Oil and gas. That's exactly yeah. right. And yeah. look, that landscape 
is sacred to many different tribes. He did not care. He wanted to open it up for drilling for oil and gas. So yes, for all those reasons, again, I, you know, I started with, you know, Pete Buttigieg, not happy with that appointment. Congresswoman Holland, very happy with that appointment. She's qualified. Her morals are in the right place. It's, it's historic. It's, I think just a really, really solid appointment. So I'm stoked about that. Well, I'm glad that Joe Biden can make you happy at least one time. Well, he may be happy with one more thing, and this is my last bullet on on Joe Biden. Uh, It's about climate change and the environment. I think it's important that we recognize that Biden has said that climate change is the existential threat of our time. Oh, it's not a hoax? You mean it's not a hoax? It's not a hoax, not according to President-elect Biden, uh, as opposed to outgoing President Donald Trump. And I do like that that we should be calling him that. Heck yeah. Uh, Biden has called for a unified national response to climate change similar to the one on COVID-19. Biden has said he'll re-enter the the Paris Climate Accord on his first day in office. Uh, and by contrast, Trump, over his four years, you know, they've dismantled many different climate policies, climate reg- regulations. They've rolled back rules governing clean air and water and wildlife and toxic chemicals. And one last thing. Donald Trump has rolled back more than 80. This is according to an analysis from Harvard Law School and Columbia Law School. He's been trying to roll back over 80 specific environmental rules and regulations. And so my question to you is this. There's clearly a contrast between the Trump administration, outgoing President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden, specifically on the environment and climate change. Do you think that this change in both tone and policy does it matter or do you think that it is too little too late? Of course it matters. It's never I mean, it's never too little too late at this point. We have to pick up where we can. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now we need to start planting oh, some so trees. Wise. I know. Yeah, I, I think it's attributed to Confucius. I'm not sure. But, you know, I, I I just don't understand it. Unless you work for the oil and gas industry, I don't understand what you lose from embracing a uh, policy structure that is open to dealing with the obvious reality of climate change. It's it's like not up for debate in any country other than the United States, any industrialized country, I should say. Uh, it is in our face constantly. I mean, here in Oregon last summer, we had a historic number of fires, you know, whole cities were burned out of the ground. The smoke was so thick. There was a week of orange radioactive looking ash. The sun completely obscured in an orange glow. I couldn't go outside without a respirator on. Absolutely apocalyptic. And it has to do with reduced rainfall and higher summer temperatures than Oregon has ever had. I mean, the funny thing is you have people like in Florida, you know, uh, extremely well Wealthy folks who talk out of both sides of their mouth, they they call climate change a hoax. And on the other hand, they're planning new levees and new systems for dealing with rising ocean levels. <laughs> and, and then they try to say, well, we don't know if it's man-made or not. I mean, we just should say, and we should say it over and over again, there is no debate whatsoever that the primary driver of climate change is increased carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere, which is directly linked to human activity. There's no scientific debate whatsoever regarding that point. And there really never has been. I mean, the the only the only folks who have been pushing an anti-climate agenda are those who are directly benefiting from the fossil fuel economy. Yeah. And 
that bears repeating over and over again until people begin to understand that we live in a robber baron age where folks making money on the destruction of the climate are the ones that are propping up this argument. And it should be said that even companies like large oil companies like BP and Exxon, if you read their internal, you know, profit reports, profit and loss reports and investors reports, they're talking about moving towards green energy because even if you don't believe that the burning of fossil fuels is increasing carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere and therefore warming the planet, even if you don't believe that, there is a finite amount of fossil fuel in the ground. It's not infinite, and we need to have some sort of a structure in place for when we run out and when things become more difficult. You know, there's there's oil that's close to the surface of, of and it's easy to pump out, and then there's oil that's deeper and it's more expensive, and the, the longer we burn fossil fuel, the more we're going to have to tap into these difficult to extract resources. So we have nothing to lose here. And as Biden, I mean, Biden made this this argument on the national stage and Americans voted for it overwhelmingly. Right. I mean, Joe Biden won the election by over seven million votes. The majority of Americans understand that climate change needs to be addressed and we really have nothing to lose by doing so. We're talking about, you know, green energy and, and green economy jobs that are going to keep this economy growing for the next 30, 40, 50 years. We have nothing to lose. Does it feel good to have a president finally accept reality? Hell yeah, it does. I mean, that's been the worst thing about Donald Trump is like this endless gaslighting and changing the subject and and just like, you know, saying the sky is clear blue when obviously today the sun is blocked out by smoke and I'm wearing a respirator under an orange haze. So, yeah, it feels great. I'm, <laughs> I love it. You know, I know Joe Biden well, doesn't wait. always go ahead. Well, no, no. Yeah, sorry. Finish up. I know. I know Joe Biden doesn't always go as far as people would like, but just the fact of him saying that is a big deal, right? Yes, I think that is an extremely important point. Um, I think it's also an important point what you said a little bit ago that it's painfully simple when you look at those who deny the fact of climate change. It is because they have something to gain. It's very simple. And one of my favorite comics that about climate change that I've seen, it's like there's a man up at a lectern. He's pointing at a screen. The screen says energy independence, preserve rainforest, sustainability, green jobs, livable cities, renewables, clean air and water, healthy children. And someone in the audience goes, what if it's a big hoax and we create a better world for nothing? And it's like, yes, <laughs> all of the different ancillary benefits that come, you know, from investing in a future in which we are producing energy and, and moving around in different ways, there are lots of reasons to do that. And frankly, when you look at any technology, just because something was the most prudent, the most expedient, the best idea, the right thing to do 150 years ago, absolutely does not mean that it's the right thing to do now. And it's really, again, it's as simple as there are interests and companies and people who benefit from the way things are now, that the status quo has its own momentum to pull itself forward. Because again, there are power structures in place, legal structures in place to perpetuate and to reinforce that status quo. And it's really that simple. It's as simple as the people who profit are the ones who are claiming climate change isn't a thing, even though it absolutely is a thing. So yes, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad that Joe Biden's saying something about it and saying it in unequivocal terms. And I have two things to say on that. One, in so many ways, power begets power. And thank goodness Joe Biden won because now Donald Trump and the movement he represents shrinks a little bit. 
How much it shrinks remains to be determined. It depends on what we do. It depends on what Joe Biden does. Depends on all of us. But the other thing I want to say is some of these technologies like, you know, electric cars. Look at a Tesla. A Tesla is an incredible piece of machinery that outperforms any internal combustion engine you can come up with. There's just no reason to sit there and defend gasoline. The the way that electric motors work is just so much cleaner. You have direct drive. You don't need a transmission. The energy is 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 harnessed immediately to the motor and used. There our world can be better and we can still have a lot of fun doing it. You can have a faster sports car than you had when you were relying on gas. You can you can have a stronger truck. You can have a four wheel drive this tesla e-truck that they've come up with this thing is more powerful than any internal combustion engine that you've seen and these things are badass so i think as as the technologies begin to take hold people can envision uh, a different world it's going to get easier to understand that change was not only inevitable but hopefully desired i mean that's that's where i hope we'll go me too yeah and you know and maybe just to, to bring it quasi full circle back to Pete Buttigieg, you know, I'm hoping I'm not saying that in my view, him being unqualified means he'll do a bad job. If part of his focus as the secretary of transportation is on how do we move people from place to place in 2020? And how is that different from how we thought about it during the Eisenhower administration? If really he brings that lens to his position, <laughs> it's, it's going to be really helpful. That's so. a real, that's really well said. I know it's just, it's getting a little bit old with the roads and the cars and everybody sitting in their own car. It's like, can't we maybe re-envision this a little bit and, and make something where I'm not sitting in traffic for two hours in my car to get to work? I mean, isn't that a little bit old fashioned and ridiculous? It seems uh, that way. Yeah. I like cars as much as the next person, for sure. I love my cars. But um, yeah, well, I, I'm getting this tingling sensation in the back of my neck and it's <laughs> my hair's beginning to stand up a little bit. There's I'm still thinking about when you were mentioning mermaids and uh, I was picturing I wanted to ask you and I didn't interject because I felt like we were in the midst of a pithy conversation at that point. But when you picture a mermaid, is it just the little mermaid character that you picture? Or do you picture yes. something more like no, 18? No, it's oh, Ariel. Really? Yeah, no, it's it's red hair. It's Ariel. Like that's like the when I think oh. of a mermaid, that's literally the image that comes to mind. <laughs> Anybody who was born in the mid 80s would say the same thing. <laughs> I saw I don't know we were reading one of our, our kids books and mermaids were in it and it was like an older book like uh, you know maybe like an English it might have been an English book or something and there's you know these old fashioned pictures of mermaids that they used to draw in like the early 1900s they're totally hilarious you should google them sometime oh man <laughs> uh, speaking of googling uh did you want sorry was there anywhere else you wanted to take this oh no that was my outro it was okay that's what i thought too and by the way i just i again apologies to alex who did a, a tremendous amount of work on the notes and i basically crapped on them because i was lazy last week so anyway oh, thanks don't, for it patient. wasn't it i think it was your anniversary brandon it's it's forgivable don't worry that's true that it was that was a bit really it was it was my fault so i'm owning it I, you know i'm trying to practice what i say if you're wrong about something just admit it it's not scary you know i was wrong period but if you did want to Google something, you should Google Remember Poli Sci. That's Remember P-O-L-I-S-C-I. You can go to RememberPoliSci.com. If you would like to give us a review on any podcatcher, especially on Apple Apple Podcasts, that would be huge, and we would very much appreciate it. Uh, and that's pretty much all I got. Until next time, appreciate all of you, and Alex, appreciate you too. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I, I was just singing the theme song through a cardboard uh, paper towel roll. Hey, great to see everybody. Great to hear you. And I didn't see. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> nice. All right, peace. <laughs> <laughs>